Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. Well, it is an honor for me to introduce our guest speaker today. Uh, Zach Hudson uh, has been one of my friends since 2002. I actually met him at the same time that I met my wife. Uh, And so uh, we have a very close friendship, but not only that, we worked on staff together for eight years at First Baptist Church, Wataga. And so God called him in 2018 to to begin serving as the associate pastor at South Tulsa Baptist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's where he still serves today uh, as the associate pastor and family minister. And so I'm excited. Zach, would you come up here and bring God's word to us today? Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Well, good morning, church family. It's so good to be with you all today. And Kevin is just thankful that I made it this time, and he didn't have to be the guest preacher as he was last year. Uh, So uh, I'm I'm thankful. Last year I was supposed to be here for the Disciple Now and uh, ended up with my wife got COVID, then I did as well. So, you know, that's just kind of the times we lived in, and I was so uh, saddened by that because I had such a joy to to come and meet you all. Just as you can imagine, uh, if you have a good friend, you want to go see where they live and, and where they now live and operate. And so I'm finally glad that I've gotten to make it here with you all this morning. Uh, I will just also like to say, um, just as we talked about last night, we talked about Jesus being the good shepherd, and so I want to first just extend a thank you to your pastor for allowing me to be in his pulpit today, uh, because that's a very high honor, because he, in a way, is a shepherd of this flock as well, and so uh, I take it very seriously that I will be here this morning presenting God's word to you, and so I'm thankful to him to allow me to to speak to you all this morning, and I take that as a very high honor, and also just very seriously uh, what's uh, being asked of me today, so I'm very glad to be here with you all this morning. All right, let me get my slides pulled up here, make sure I'm in the right area. Sunday, today's Sunday, right? Yes, okay, so we're still, and I am the sermon, that's always a good place to start, and I'm that guy right there. Awesome, looks good. You know, it's always great when technology works, and when it doesn't work, it just can make you kind of look foolish sometimes, so... So again, thank you, Kevin uh, and Sarah. I've known uh, this Sarah's family, of course, for a long time as well. Um, also, just want to say thank you to my wife, Charlie. Uh, we have five kids, and so for me to be gone for the weekend is a big deal. When you have five children at home still, one 15, my oldest is 15, all the way down to we have a four-year-old. Uh, my 15-year-old will be turning 16 next month, so I am in that joy of life where I get to enjoy looking over and seeing my teenage son now driving me around Tulsa. So some of you have been through that experience or are going through that experience or about to enter into that experience, as I know. Uh, Kevin and Sarah are, and Emily. Woohoo! All right. So, anyway, so thank you to my wife. Uh, she said she's watching, but with five kids, who knows if she's watching or not. So, that's also a welcome, not only to you here today. If you're watching online, we're so glad that you're uh, joining us. I know that uh, I, I actually watch online quite a bit too. Uh, I help and serve in our first service, it's an 8 30 early service. And then for our later service, uh, I have to do some, get all the guest information together, and, and we have some welcome things that we do with our guests as well. But while I'm getting a lot of that together, I actually turn on your service and check into the worship time and check 
back into the uh, message that Kevin preaches. I've got actually a, a couple of churches I like to kind of, I love technology for that. I can check into friends that are pastors and just get to check in and see uh, them at work. So it's such a great uh, time or honor for me again, like I said, to be here with you all this morning, uh, just to spend some time in God's word with you. Uh, what I'd like to do first is just, again, just pray together. Uh, and I want to give you an opportunity to pray this morning just where you are. One of the things I like to do, I'm, I was a worship leader for many years and still get to lead worship at times. And, and something I enjoy as a worship leader is just everyone spending a moment just kind of before the Lord, preparing their own hearts for this time in God's Word. And I would also like to say, as a, a father of five, uh, I know some of you have your kids here this morning, and they can be as loud as they want to be, and it will not bother me. And your congregation loves the sound of children. Because the sound of children in your church is one of the most beautiful blessings that you can have. So if you're a parent and you've got a child with you this morning and they're a little wiggly and they might be a little loud, that's okay. Uh, because I love it. Uh, there's no more beautiful sound. And some of my senior saints in here, they can shake their heads and I've seen them shaking their heads. That means Stockdale has a future. And that's a beautiful thing as well. So if you've got your kids in here with you this morning, uh, please do not, do not worry about the sounds they make or the wiggles they have. Uh, it's a joyful thing uh, that we love to have alongside of us as well. That's the way the church just operated. I don't think there was probably an early nursery, and I'm not sure when that was even developed. So families were always just in worship together. But let's take some time just to be quiet before the Lord and just give you an opportunity and myself as well uh, just to prepare ourselves for this time that we spend in God's Word together. And so, and then I will just kind of close this in prayer. We'll just take just a moment just to be quiet before the Lord and just to take a moment just to pray. If you'd like to pray for me, that'd be great. Uh, but more, most importantly, uh, just spend some time saying, you know, just simply, Jesus, uh, would you speak to me in this moment? And just take some time to just allow you to, to cast your own cares, whatever you brought into this room this morning. Would you take a moment just to cast that to him? Let's do that together. And Father, we quiet our souls before you in this place today. So thankful for your work on the cross, your death, your resurrection that allows us to continue to meet and to be thankful and to have reason to meet and have reason to sing and rejoice just as we have done. Father, I just pray your word would be honored and glorified through me today. As I've said many times, I, I truly have nothing personally to offer uh, your congregation here in this place, but I know your word has everything. It's sufficient. It's true. It's reliable. Even today in 2023, it has life to give us in this place. And I pray that you would speak through your word mightily today. Thank you for using me as a vessel in this place. And we thank you again, Jesus, for all that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. Well, we're going to spend some time in the book of John. So if you want to open your Bibles, if you have a copy of God's Word, you can open up to John chapter 8. We will actually be in 8 and 9 this morning. And I'll have a few other little verses we'll kind of uh, look into as well. Uh, so this morning is just a joy for me as well. These, these men that led us this morning, uh, I have a great relationship with them as well. Some of them were in my youth group when I was in Watauga. Uh, Matthew, who's, who's leading up the Watauga Five, uh, he was actually uh, uh, part of the worship team with me at Watauga. And uh, just was, it's amazing to see how God worked uh, through him. And now he is leading and training up uh, worship leaders as well. So it's just wonderful to see how God continues to move and to work. And I'll be honest, leaving Watauga was very hard. That was a tough transition to make. I know 
uh, without a doubt that God was leading me and my family uh, to make that move. Uh, but it makes it a lot nicer and sweeter when I can look back and see how God has used some of you all that uh, were faithful. And, and Kevin was there as well to take over the students, as he mentioned earlier. Um, so anyway, it, that's, it's, it's just a blessing. and blesses my heart to see you all worshiping the Lord and just being led by you this morning has been such a wonderful time. I do just want to kind of recap a little bit, just kind of where we've been. Uh, students, you know where you've been. So I just want to help your adults and family members know kind of the, some of the things we talked about. We started out Friday night, and we've been in the book of John. Uh, we're kind of studying some of the I Am statements. Uh, we're talking about how Jesus is re- irreplaceable. And so we've looked at several passages of Scripture where we can see that Jesus is truly irreplaceable. There is no one that can take his place. As our shirt says, accept no substitutes. And as we kind of get into this, you will see uh, what we're talking about. Uh, Friday night, we started off big. We started off from John 14, just Jesus talking about there is heaven. There is a place that he went and is preparing for us, uh, the Father's house. And he made it clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. And so I talked to our students about, we are trying to find so many ways in the world today. And I really pray for their generation because their generation continues to tell them, here are all these things and here are all these ways that you should consider. And I like to tell people the first and most important thing and way to consider is what are you going to do with Jesus? And I say, bring everything that you have to Christ. And start figuring out in a relationship with him. That's the most important thing that we can do as we want to accept him as our Lord and Savior and follow him as the way. Uh, Yesterday, we had two messages. We talked about Jesus being the bread of life. Truly, Jesus is the only one that can fulfill us and sustain us spiritually. And so that's one of the things we talked about is Jesus oftentimes in these passages that we read was trying to move people from moving beyond them thinking just about their physical needs and getting them to see and understand they also had spiritual needs that they needed to consider as well. And so today, that's a good chunk of our message. We're going to talk about that as well, is that we have physical needs, yes, and Jesus cares about our physical needs. But most importantly, we have spiritual needs that only He can meet. And there is no substitute. There is no other way. And so Jesus is the bread that can sustain us. And we talked about last night, Jesus is the good shepherd. And we talked about how a shepherd cares for his people, cares for his sheep. And I mentioned, I said, you know, Kevin and and Palmer, you guys have such a high honor to take care of God's sheep here in Stockdale. And I know, and just knowing them, I know they take that very seriously as well. uh, Because Jesus loves us and cares for his sheep, especially us as church leaders. uh, We definitely want to be mindful of taking care of God's people. And so that's kind of where we've, we've been. And so this morning we kind of land here in this last passage. And we're going to be in chapter 8 and 9. And this morning we're going to be talking about Jesus as the light of the world. And again, that's not a physical light. We're not going to take Jesus and put him in a lamp somewhere. We want to take Jesus and put him inside our hearts and lives so that we can shine for the world to see. And so this morning I want to take a look at, uh, we're just going to read this one verse here out of chapter 8. This kind of gives us some context as we get into chapter 9, which is where we will spend most of our time this morning. But in chapter 8, it's during the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. This is actually a time where they would set up makeshift little rooms that uh, the Jewish people would go and they would uh, have meals in. Some people would actually stay in them. But it was a way to commemorate uh, the 40 years of roaming in the wilderness that they did, if you look back in the book of Exodus. And so it was a way to remember what God had done and how he brought them out of Egypt and also took care of them even in that time of 40 years that they had to wander. 
And so it's kind of during this time, though, during those festivals, there is a lot of light at night. There's a lot of celebration. There's a, it's a festive or out atmosphere. And so it talks about how even around the temple, it would be well lit with their torches and things. And, and the men and women would also have lights and torches that they would bring around. And so in this kind of a context and setting, Jesus makes the statement, I am the light of the world. Helping them to see and understand, look, this light that you have and you carry with you, that's nothing. That's temporary. That's passing away. The light that I bring is forever. It's eternal. And so Jesus spoke those words in 8.12 and he says, He said to them again, I am the light of the world. And anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And so one of the things I want us to consider this morning is that as we follow Jesus, think about these beautiful benefits that we enjoy. Because Jesus is the light of the world. He is a sustaining light. He is an eternal light. He is a light that will never fade or go out. Therefore, if you are to follow Jesus, you will never walk in darkness. I love that. I don't like to walk in darkness. Especially in my house at night when I have five kids and who knows what's strung about the house. Walking in darkness gets a little scary. And so I'm thankful that physically I don't like to walk in darkness and I don't have to. I actually installed some outlets that have little LED lights on them uh, that my mom got me for Christmas this year. And how practical you get. What do you want for Christmas? I would like some LED outlets that I can put around my house. And so you younger ones are like, really? That's what you asked for for Christmas? And so, because we don't like to walk in darkness physically, but spiritually, I don't like to walk in darkness. I talked to your students this week about, where else would you go? When trials come, when, when, when valleys come, when hard times come, I'm thankful I have a place to go where there's hope and there's peace. And I know that there's someone that's above my situations that can help. If there is no God, if there is no Jesus, if, if it's just up to me and maybe you and me, and I mean, I love you guys and you look like nice people, uh, but at the end of the day, I, I need something more than just people. I need a supernatural God who loves and cares for me. That brings me hope to know that whatever I face here on this earth, I know that I'm taken care of. And most importantly, I know that I'm headed somewhere when this physical life is over. And that brings me great joy and hope and peace as well. And so walking with Jesus means never, I love that, never walking in darkness. Because you have the light of life. And I also talked to your students this weekend about the importance of not just keeping that light to yourself. But in the importance of going out into the world around you and shining that light brightly, proclaiming the love of Christ to, to all those that you come into contact with and let them know how he has shaped and taken care of your life. And so as we begin this morning, those are a couple things that we can take and apply to our own lives and our hearts. And then I want to move into chapter 9, kind of this uh, passage that we're going to look at as Jesus moves and begins to moving or moving through his area, it says this in 9 verses 1 and 2. It says, As he was passing by, he saw a man that was blind from birth. It said his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's a tough question. And I say it's a legitimate question. Because if you think of their contact, context and their culture, uh, you think back to the Torah, a book like Deuteronomy, when you read the Old Testament, there is a lot put into if you walk with God and keep his commandments, you will be blessed. 
In the Old Testament, it was, very, it was taught very often that also if you did not keep the commandments, if you did not follow God, if you did not walk with Him, you were cursed. And so it was very legitimate for them to say, well, Jesus, what happened to this man that he was born blind? Obviously, something had to happen to him. Obviously, something, you know, he's done something or his parents some, have, have done something. And so Jesus is going to answer that question that it wasn't him or his parents. But before we kind of move into that realm, I do want us to consider for the fact that, yes, sin does have consequences. And so we can read throughout the Bible of the mistakes men and women made. And the beauty of all of that is to see God's redemptive love, especially as we get into Christ and through his death and through his resurrection. But friends, this morning, here's, here's what I like to, to tell people or encourage people. If you do find yourself in a tough situation or you find things going on around you that you're, you're like, why is this happening? I don't understand this. This is a good place to start. You and the Father. And what I encourage people to do is to take a moment And consider David's words from Psalm 139. When he gets to the end of that beautiful psalm and he says, Search me, God. Know my heart and test me. And know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That is just a humble prayer. And it's actually one I like to come back to very often, truly to be before the Father to say, God, search me and know me. That psalm, and I encourage our students this weekend, and I encourage you all as well, take that whole psalm sometime this week, get alone with God's word, and read through it and see how much God loves you and thinks about you, and that there's nowhere you can go to escape his presence. That's how much he loves you. And I think David was overwhelmed. And that's how he ended that psalm was just simply to say, wow, this knowledge, he says, is too wonderful for me. And then he gets to this place where he says, God, search my heart. If there's any offensive way inside of me, help me to see that. I want to know. And so that is a place to start start if you find yourself in in a tough situation. And then as we see in this instance, this wasn't an issue of sin that was taking place. But let's see what Jesus says as we continue here in, excuse me, in John chapter 9. He says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. For night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So a couple of things I really just want to, want to pick out there. Right there at the beginning, neither this man nor his parents sinned. And then this is a hard thing that he answered. He said, this came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. And, and it's funny how I was talking to Kevin about this passage and how in his Sunday school class, they're in the book of John right now. Uh, the class I'm in at my church, we were in the book of John. We actually just studied John chapter 9 last week. And, and our teacher, uh, Nathan, he, he asked that question. He's like, How would you like that to be you? That you were blind since birth and it wasn't anything you've done. It was just for God's glory. And I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, we read those words and we think, yes, Lord. But the reality is when when that is happening to us, when we look and say, I'm in a tough situation and I have done nothing wrong. It wasn't my fault, Lord. I've done nothing here. And it's hard. And one of the things I would encourage you all is this thought, surrendering for God's glory. It's probably one of the hardest things you'll ever have to do when you find yourself in a tough situation and you realize, wow, I truly have done nothing to be in this situation that I'm in. And this is a tough spot 
But God, I'm going to stop and just say, Lord, help me. Help me in this tough situation to glorify you, to give glory to you, to say, even though this is hard, even though this is a tough road I've been asked to walk, I will glorify you. I will walk with you. And so, friends, I, you know, I wanna, I'll share just a personal story uh, for you all of a time that I had to just walk through something with my wife and I. I mentioned earlier that my wife and I, we have five kids. Well, the reality is we actually have six kids. When we had, our, we had three kids, we had two boys and a girl, and then my wife became pregnant with our fourth child, another girl. So we were excited. We were going to have two boys, two girls. And we were like, this is amazing. This is wonderful. Uh, we got into that pregnancy. Everything was normal, going fine. Everything that, you know, just we had had three normal, healthy pregnancies. And so, of course, we're into this fourth pregnancy thinking, you know, what could be different? What could change? Or, you know, surely this is, you know, everything's okay. Friends, we, we got all the way to 32 weeks of pregnancy. We were only just a few weeks away from meeting our daughter Anna, welcoming another child into the world, and then my wife really started getting concerned. And she said something just doesn't seem right. And I'm just like, "What? What what's going on?" What you know, she said just the baby's not moving, I don't know. You know, she just she has a mama's heart. She knew something was not right. Uh, we went to the doctor, so we got hooked up to all kinds of things, and, and, and we still had a heartbeat. Things were looking good. Things were, you know, from what the doctor could see, he's like, well, everything seems to be in order. Everything seems to check out okay. But my wife just couldn't shake it, and she just knew something just still didn't seem right. And so we went a couple more days, and then it just it, it did, it got worse. And we felt the baby was moving less and less. Uh, went to the, made a doctor a visit again. And I remember that morning, my wife took off because she had just gotten so concerned. I was like, we got to do something. Something's wrong. And friends, let me tell you, that morning was one of the hardest mornings I've had. Because as a dad, I had to get myself ready. And then I began to pray. And one of the hardest things was to say, God, would you, would you take care of my baby? I want my baby to be okay. And I remember as I began to pray that prayer, I just had this overwhelming sense of, Zach, you can't pray that. Oh, I still remember that day and just remember thinking, wow. And immediately my prayer had to say, God, would you help me as a dad? Would you help me as a father? Would you help me as a husband? Lead my family through what I'm about to lead them through because I knew what was already taking place. And, and some of those same prayers were, God, and help me to glorify you in this process. And so as we did that, as we began to walk, and, and sure enough, we, we had lost our baby and one of the hardest things more than anything was to see our friends and family come over. And they were so broken. And to see them, some of them couldn't even say anything as they brought meals to us. And can I just tell you, the church at work in that moment was one of the most beautiful things that I would experienced in my life. We didn't, we didn't prepare a meal for three months. Lunch or dinners. I had to freeze meals. I mean, we were... We were overwhelmed with God's comfort and presence through his church, through his body. Can I just tell you and encourage you, one of the best things about being a part of a church body, we even talked about it in our class this morning, is that we are in it together. And right in a moment, when we were going through one of the darkest moments of our lives, God surrounded us through his church body. And it was so beautiful and so wonderful. And I watched my friends and family almost carry this burden. Uh, it seemed even tougher on them at times than it even did on us. Because me and my wife, I always tell people, we were so thickly surrounded by God's presence in that moment that I'm actually kind of thankful that I don't have to walk in such a thick presence with him. But he swooped in and, and totally protected and took care of our hearts. 
And so we talked about, uh, it was mentioned this morning as well, knowing that God can be with me in such a way makes me happy and hopeful to know that if I ever have to walk through a tragedy like that, I know that my God will be with me, I know that my church family will be with me, and I know I'm not alone. One of the things I want to read uh, to you guys, out out of that tragedy, uh, some beautiful verses came to my heart and my life. Because see, when that happened, I'd been walking with the Lord just a little over 30 years. I gave my life to Christ when I was eight years old. But this passage in, in Matthew, when Jesus is ending the Sermon on the Mount, I want us to read these words to you from his word this morning. It says in Matthew 7, starting in verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the, on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and it pounded that house and it collapsed and it collapsed with a great crash. Friends, this this passage of scripture came to life in such a beautiful new way for me when I walked through that tragedy because it was like God took me back to that. It was like God was showing me that Years of walking with him prepared me for this moment of dark tragedy. And yes, we were wounded. And yes, our house took a beating from that storm. But friends, we were not destroyed. And one of the best things that I find walking with Jesus is that those times may come, will come, but I still stand to give glory to God that even through hardship and even through trial and even through trouble and even through pain, I walk and am safe with him no matter what may come and so friends sometimes that is tough but sometimes we just have to glorify God through suffering to surrender and just say Jesus I trust you even with what I don't understand and so we see Jesus as he interacts with this man in chapter 9 after he says that neither this man sinned or his parents sinned but it's for God's glory and look what Jesus did in this moment it says after he said these things it says he spit on the ground and he made some mud from his saliva and he spread the mud on his eyes and he told the man go and wash in the pool of Siloam which means scent so he left washed and he came back seeing man and all I can think when I think about that man is what was he thinking it says he was blind since birth And this probably wasn't the first time people were asking questions of him. I'm sure by now he was tired of people asking, hey, what happened, man? What'd you do? Why are you blind? What what, what happened? Did you sin? Did you mess up? Man, okay, you did. What did your parents do? You can just imagine year after year after year. And in this society, more than likely, he was probably having to be a beggar. I mean, he was not doing well in society being blind. And so he had to endure the questions and the accusations And then in this one instant when he interacts with Jesus, do you think it's interesting the way that Jesus healed him? Saliva, mud, on his eyes. I think if you gave me a list of ways I would like to be healed, that would probably be the last way I would like to be healed 
at the end of the day, I'm just going to be thankful for healing. Uh, but I, like, I think of many ways that we're healed. Uh, there was the, the one man who just said, Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house. Just say the word and it'll happen. And he was credited with great faith. It's like, I will take that option over this one of saliva and mud on my eyes. And I imagine, what, the, what was that guy thinking in that moment? We just don't have a lot of context there. As, as Jesus now putting mud on his eyes, is he thinking, man, is, is this guy crazy or what? You know, did he have a sense that something truly different was happening? I would like to believe that, man, he didn't fight him. He didn't say, get out of here. What do you think you're doing? He was allowed to, to have that moment with Jesus. And you can imagine when he went to wash that mud off his face. Probably frustrated. Here we are again. I'm getting questioned. Now this guy's putting mud on my face. And now he's telling me to wash. I sense something's different. And I, I, I can see. You imagine his eyes opening for the first time and looking out and seeing. Who do you think he would want to see for the first time? Say it. Jesus. I want to see the guy who healed me. I want to see the one that put mud on my eyes. I want to see his face. I want to hear his voice again. The one that told me to go and wash so that I was clean. I want to see him. And as you read through chapter 9, you can tell this guy is excited. He's pumped. He's amped. He has been healed. And so as I think about this, when I was reading and studying for this passage of Scripture, one of the commentators mentioned, he said, isn't it beautiful and wonderful that God can take something like spit, saliva, and make something beautiful out of it? And immediately I thought about our own lives and what a mess they are at times. And as we interact and come to Jesus and seeing what we were before and what we become as we follow and we walk with Him in a right relationship, it's beautiful what He can do with lives that are a mess. And it reminded me of this beautiful passage in Isaiah 61. This messianic passage that Isaiah prophesies about Jesus and who he is and what he is to do. And Isaiah writes here, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance to comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who mourn in Zion and give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Think of that. To give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Festive oil instead of mourning. Splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord. Catch this. To glorify Him. To give credit to God's glory and what He's doing in hearts and lives. Friends, I look at that passage and I think, yes, Lord. I want to be a tree that is planted and rooted in you. And I will just spend my days giving glory and honor to you, God, who has saved me, who has raised me, who has taken me from a, a dead, sinful state and given me life through your son, Jesus Christ. And friends, today, I think about that. How Jesus can take those things, take our messy lives. And, and I love when we get into this last little part here in John chapter 9. Because they, question, they want to question him. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, of course, they don't like what's going on. They, they call to the parents first. and They ask the parents, you know, what's going on? Is this your son? Was he truly blind? And I love what the parents say. They say, yes, but, but he's of age. You can ask him. You can talk to him. And so they do. And it says here in John chapter 9. So a second time they summoned the man 
who had been blind and told him, catch this. They said, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. Now they're trying to say, hey, you need to glorify God by shaming this man, Jesus. You need to glorify God by calling him out and, and, and calling what he is. He's a sinner. He's a fraud. He's a fake. As we get ready to read this last part, I'm going to ask our worship team to go ahead and come on up. So catch this. This is so wonderful. Wonderful news that, that this man proclaims in this place. Because the leaders were saying, give glory to God. We know this man's a fake. We know this man's a fraud. We know this man's a sinner. You need to, you need to go ahead and let us know and, and proclaim that. And I love what the man said. He answered, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind. Now I can see. Friends, he looked at them. This is what I know. I was blind and now I see. Can I just say this to you this morning? There's a world outside these walls. They don't need the, you to bring your best apologetics about what you know about Jesus. They don't, you don't need to be filled with tons and tons and tons of biblical knowledge and wisdom, although that's not a bad thing. I like God's word. I love studying his word. But there's a world out there that just needs to know that one thing. I don't know necessarily how to answer your questions. I know this. I was blind. Now I see. I look at it in so many lives that I've encountered. I mentioned to your students, one of those is my grandpa. My grandpa who grew up and my grandpa who, when he was taking care of my mom and, and my aunts and uncles, was, was a drunk and, and would leave and go and they would never know where he, he was and he would come home and he was abusive and he was a mess. And I remember the first time my mom talked to me about what my grandpa was like. That's not the grandpa I knew because my grandpa gave his life to Jesus. And my grandpa at one time at Christmas time looked at me with tears, tears in his eyes and he said, Zach, Jesus is my best friend. And I remember seeing his face was so real. And I had no idea about that man before. That did not sound like the same man that I knew. And friends, that's what the world needs. And you might say, well, you know, my testimony is not that strong. Guys, I'm one. I grew up in the church. I was eight years old when I gave my life to Christ. But here's the beautiful thing. All I know is this. I, too, was once lost and blind and was not belonging in the family of God. And I, too, recognized that I needed to be a part of his family and recognize I needed to follow Jesus. And so here in a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And so this invitation is for everyone. Student, if you made a decision this week, we would love to share that with your church family this morning. We'd love for you to come forward and share with your church family a decision you made. Maybe you're here this morning and you're hearing this message for the first time and you say, Zach, that's me. I need to make that decision to follow Jesus. I may not know a lot about the Bible. I may not know a lot about spiritual things, but I know one thing's for sure. Jesus is calling me to follow him and I need to be baptized. I need to join this church. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you are walking with him. Maybe you're just unchurched. And maybe this morning you need to come forward and say, you know what? This is where I belong. I need to join this body so that we together can proclaim the goodness of God in this community and around the world. Maybe you're here this morning and we've talked to this about our students. Maybe there's a calling to ministry on your life. 
Maybe this morning you just need prayer. Maybe just like I mentioned, maybe you're going through something and you just need to let a minister know. I would love to just someone to pray over me and for me. Palmer and Kevin, they'll be up here and they would love to spend some time just praying for you, over you. If there's a decision you feel like you need to make, we would love to know that this morning to begin to pray for you and to help you in that process. Let's stand together. I want to pray. I'll ask Palmer and Kevin to come and help close out this portion of our service. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.